This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. American Glutton Podcast has a Patreon. Do you hate commercials? Well, we've got a Patreon. Do you want bonus episodes? That's on the Patreon. Do you want to hang out and chat in our Discord channel? That's part of the Patreon, too. We even have an option where you can leave me voicemails. All on the Patreon. So check it out today. Patreon.com slash American Glutton. We have a Patreon. Hi, I'm Ethan Suplee. Welcome to American Glutton. Outside of acting, my two favorite things to do are diet and eat. I have a very complicated relationship with food, and on this podcast, we're going to talk about all of it. Food as entertainment. Food as sport. Food as fuel. I'll talk to experts and the average person, just like you and me. I hate to ask you to do anything, but if you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to like, subscribe, rate, review, all of the above on whatever app you're getting it from. American Glutton is brought to you by Trifecta. Trifecta takes all the food you need, cooks it, and ships it to your house. No more grocery stores. No more cooking, no more meal prep. All you have to do is open it and eat it. That's it. Once in a while, I get a little cocky and make my own sauce, but that's very rare. They make all of it for me, and they send it to my house, and they save me so much time, effort, energy, and money, I can't begin to tell you how happy I am to have them as a sponsor. Today on American Glutton, I'm joined by Dr. Suzanne Gilberg-Lenz, author of the upcoming book, The Menopause Boot Camp. Please enjoy. Dr. Suzanne Gilberg-Lenz, welcome to the American Glutton podcast. Hello. Um, (laughs) So I have four daughters and a wife. Okay. And so I think what we're going to talk about is very interesting to me, number one, I because I have I have no knowledge or or, you know, like my wife, I I, I know a lot about dieting and exercise and stuff like that. But my wife will come to me and ask me questions about like, well, how does this apply to a girl? And I always say, I have no idea. I think it is very different. Like your hormones are different from mine and what might be appropriate to you might not be appropriate for me. So I'm so excited to talk to you about all these things. Great. Great. And I mean, unfortunately, my answer might be we don't know. <laughs> sure. Yeah, that's fair too. Yeah. Yeah, it's which is uh which is part of the conversation honestly because it's very frustrating um that we don't know. Um so I'm going to let you ask me the questions, but the the big overarching issue here is we should know. Okay. <laughs> we should know. Why don't we know? I think you and I could probably both answer why we don't know. We haven't really put our attention to it. And it's great that you have that conversation going in your own family and in your own home, because it does get frustrating. Are are you saying we don't know? Like when you say we don't know, I I go into like, yeah, man, there's so much about the human body. We don't know. Are you saying specifically about women? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Right. Because I think if you look at, I mean, I feel like 
this is what I like about podcast the conversation. Um, the problem here is that a lot of the data on diets, and I mean, you and I can discuss the word diet, but we're just for to, as a catch-all right now um, on habits. They're often not looked at with women. They and and I think a lot of the most popular um, methodologies, fads, whatever you want to call it, that leak out into the public are definitely, I mean, if you, especially intermittent fasting, unfortunately, and keto, and I have a lot to say about keto. Um, I do too. I can't wait to talk to you about keto. And I, let me just say, I'm an OBGYN. Okay. I'm a gynecologist. I'm, I'm definitely an expert in menopause. I am not a nutritional expert. Okay. That's not my area of expertise. I'm not a nutrition scientist. I'm not a food scientist, but I have enough experience personally. And in 20 plus years of practice, and especially around menopause and perimenopause, where metabolic rates change, uh, um, hormonal influence has an impact on the way our body shape changes, how we respond to both nutrition and exercise. But I, I'm not a nutritional scientist, so let me just say that. But I can tell you from you know writing this book and researching, the data is has not been uh, accrued from women, and then it goes out into Instagram or social media or the ether or even into casually into medicine. And suggestions are made that don't work for women and they feel like a failure in the context of diet culture already. It's it's a disaster and it's it's very unfair. So when I say we don't know, that is specifically what I mean. And and I say it's not it's not okay that we don't know. That's not okay. There's literally no reason for it. All you got to do is study women. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get very, you know. I come at diet from the lens of uh, massive weight loss. So right. if if there's if there's a you know I and I think there's many lenses people can approach diet, many perspectives or viewpoints that can be looked at diet. Like a guy who wants to lose ten pounds, that's a person who validly is going to go and look at diets. And I think it's just very different from the point of view I take. And Perhaps keto works for a guy who needs right. to lose 10 pounds. Right. But if you're talking about hundreds of pounds, then it's not just a linear one stop fixes everything. Right. You know what I mean? And so right. I imagine when you get to something like menopause or, you know, you could even have various points where you have to differentiate men and women like prepubescent, postpubescent. And then for women, menopausal, and I don't know if men go through something similar to that, um, but, uh, but you know, for men, hormones change, certainly. For sure, for sure. I mean, aging, aging and hormones uh, interact with each other. It's, it's um, that's not my area, but, but I will tell you just the, the major difference in men and women is that women have such a distinct cycle for a large portion of our lives right. that we actually identify a lot of times our, with our, our bodies are that cycle. I mean, if you think about, you're going to maybe have, you know, from the ages of 11 or 12 to 50 something, that's most of your life. Yeah. Um, and you're, and, and so one of the things that I see happening is we identify that's our body. But also when you look specifically at lifestyle and habits, at diet, at exercise, we know, we know that this, we do know that people, women or people with those hormones and that, that cycle have a different response to changes that are made at different times in that cycle. Now you get this two to 10 year period of time, which we're fluffily calling perimenopause, which is like a, not a meaningful term, but it's the, the most immediate period of time leading up to menopause. I like to say, well, I mean, everything's leading to menopause. <laughs> you know, That's because I'm 56. So that's why I look at it. Point of reference is everything. But so if we're talking about that sort of last eight to 10 years, now those fluctuations are not as predictable and as regular. And this is where people really get frustrated because they're not responding the same way. And they're not even responding the same way that they were before. And maybe how they're responding for this three months isn't the way they're responding for the next eight months. And it's not just in their head, you know, it's, and then they're getting information about how they should be doing it, how they could be doing it. And it's like, that information is not necessarily accurate. It's not reflective of the reality. And we're also dealing 
and you would, I think, understand this as a person who went through massive weight loss, like the mindset and the, like how you feel about yourself and what culture is telling you also plays a role. So it's really complicated. Yeah, you know? it, What you're saying would drive me up the wall because yeah. I've spent the last 20 years, like figuring out stuff that works. And if you're saying like stuff that you figured out and you have this bedrock, this foundation, yeah. suddenly it's like, that doesn't work anymore. Figure you got, you got to figure out something else. That would drive me really, really crazy. It's hard. It's hard for people. I mean, I do think that the basic tenets of health and nutrition continue to apply, but they, I mean, just the fact that your fat redistributes, like that's really, that's also just like, it's uncomfortable. I can tell you from a personal perspective, it's uncomfortable. Yeah. And, and, and then you add on, like, you don't feel like yourself. Um, what you did before isn't working the same way. And, um, it, people can just feel really defeated by the whole thing. And, or even like, I can just talk about my own personal experience. I mean, I, um, I don't even know where to start, but even if I just look at the last like six months and now we're coming out of the pandemic, which didn't help anybody by the way. And And I do think, I do think that the amount of stress that we've been under in the last couple of years, I'd be interested to hear your perspective on this, but there's, we know that, cortisol has an impact on insulin resistance and metabolism, right? So I think then we have this baseline level of stress that got even higher and that really affected people. And I'll tell you the whole pandemic, I've had people coming to me saying like, is this COVID? Is it perimenopause? Like what's happening? So I can tell you two and a half years in now I'm like, okay, I don't know. So here's what I can tell you. I think may be helpful to you in terms of health. And I always try to focus on health, but my own experience has been that like, I've actually really fairly, I wouldn't say radically, but I've really committed to some major lifestyle changes. And I don't, I'm not weighing myself because the number is not changing. It's not, has not changed an iota. Right. And I just have to look at how do I feel? What's my health? My shape has changed actually, which is interesting. So, and I have the benefit of my life partner is a longtime fitness pro. So He's help. He's supporting me. Right, that's helpful. So you have somebody who can like program workouts and stuff. Well, right, or or just like help me with eating. I mean, this yeah. is the first time we've ever done that because I don't know how you guys roll, but like like it's not really fun or sexy to have your partner telling you what to eat, and he doesn't want to have to tell me what to eat either, and that's just not fun. But he saw me getting. He saw me being really frustrated by it, was just like what I was doing, which had worked before. Yeah, wasn't working now. And the, and the thing that you also know is it ha- it's not like, oh, quick fix, 10 pounds. It's lifestyle. It's sustainable. People ask me this all day, every day, then. And I say to them, listen, what's the thing you will do? Do that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Know? I mean, you know, look, the reality is um, these diets, you go on a diet, you're going to lose weight if you stick to it. I think uh, the for me, again, from the lens of massive weight loss, the problem I have with them is like, for for instance, keto, like you're 500 pounds, you you know, you'd start eating only meat, you're losing a ton of weight in water. And then and then you're losing a bunch of fat also, but then there's going to get to a point where whatever you were eating, you're now 100 pounds less, you still have 150 200 pounds to lose. And you're not losing weight because you haven't reduced the amount of energy you're putting into your body again. And at this new size, you're now accustomed. And so it's like, guys, this is this is like as basic scientific stuff as you can get. Thermodynamics say that, like, there's a certain amount of energy you can put in your body. Right. Right. So that's like that's my my big problem with keto. And the other one is you're losing a lot of water and and. And most people are thinking of weight loss as a fat only thing. You know, when I would get on the scale and think I'm losing weight, I'm thinking it's all fat. I'm not thinking I have multiple pounds of water stored in my muscles so I can eat, you know, 7,000 calories a day in ribeyes and still see a reduction on the scale because I'm losing all this liquid glycogen. So, right. So that that's my, you know, I think keto is, is, um, you know, it's just not giving the whole story. And then I think, and it's also, it's also so inflammatory 
which is a really huge problem that we have in our lifestyle and in the way that we eat. And anything that's going to increase inflammation long-term is just bad. It's just bad for you. Right. So I guess if there's a psychological benefit to get that going, uh, okay, short-term, but honestly, I'm, I'm looking at sort of longevity and long-term health impacts. And one of the things that I feel really strongly about and that I really advocate for in general and in my book is looking at the the long view like like and it's a it's an interesting dynamic right because i do want us to be able to be present which is really hard to do but also be thinking about the long term and so when you look at the way you're living your life what you're eating um hormones or not that kind of stuff i'm looking at reduction of risk long term for the big ones the big ones which are cardiometabolic health yeah the number one killer of women is not breast cancer. And I'm a breast cancer survivor. So I'm not here to be like, don't worry about breast cancer. I I, I had breast cancer in my forties. So, and I'm fine, but you know, cardiometabolic disease is what's going to kill you. That's the number one killer of people. One in three women are going to die of heart disease. So diabetes, heart disease, dementia, and Alzheimer's women have two to three times the rate of their male cohorts of dementia and Alzheimer's. Mm. This is all inflammatory. I mean, it's not all inflammatory, but it, there's a baseline commonality here. Cancer as well. Inflammation is a, a necessary step in any of these diseases. If you're talking about packing yourself full of animal protein, oh my God, that's like just not good for you. Sorry. Sorry. And I, I eat animals. Okay. But I, I, I think we have to be thinking about more than just that number on the scale and what's happening in the next six months or two years. You got to be thinking about what's going on 20 years from now. Yeah. Very quickly. And I'm sorry, just before I, I keep going back to it, I want to get into this and diet. And I want to get your advice for women, but um, you said perimenopausal. So, so I, I go back to my first, um, you know, getting together with my wife and having to confront this, this thing that occurred regularly that, you know, altered our relationship, certainly. Yeah. And yeah. and then and then there was the the pre this thing pre uh, menstrual would happen, then menstrual right. would happen. And there was a time period where I was like not writing down ticks on a calendar, but I was like, this whole cycle is all the time. This is not like a two day thing, two days a month or a week a month. This is like almost a and then, you know, I, I like said, like, I need to like really realize that something is happening and right. be more caring and interested in what's happening. And so we, we got into our rhythm and then uh, we wound up with four daughters. I also have a granddaughter. So there's just so many women. You have uh, a grandchild? What are you, like 10? What? No, I'm I'm quite old enough to have a grand. But we yes, she's <laughs> she's four months old. We have a, a little granddaughter. And and. I've seen every iteration. I've seen um, irregular, nothing burger periods to uh, a kid who's now a teenager who is just like, you know, regularly taken out of action, cannot function. Yeah. Um, but you said this word perimenopausal yeah. lasts from two to 12 years. And this was like a giant boulder that just fell on me. What does that mean? That's a great question. I mean, the thing about it is that that term perimenopause is not defined. And <clears throat> excuse me, we have to kind of distinguish between the language that we use with each other as just human beings communicating and like medical terminology. I mean, perimenopause is not, it's not defined, which is why there's this wide berth. And I, I will tell you, I have like very mixed feelings about that. I, I've considered going on a campaign to banish the word because it doesn't mean anything. I think initially when we started using that term, and again, it's just the cushion, the, the time around or leading up to menopause. Okay. okay the average age of menopause is 51.4. Uh, you know, like what, like that's, you know, like this is like data, right? Um, that doesn't mean everybody's going to be done at 51.4, but the average age, right? So usually, and we consider normal menopause and that's 12 months without a cycle, a period, uh, consecutively for no other medical reason. So let's just admit that. See, that's that's very well defined, right? Forty-five to so 55. so so w once you've experienced twelve months, you're done. Metapause has happened. 
Yeah, yeah, it's happened. As long as we know there's no other medical issue that caused it, right? Under 45 is uh, considered younger and it's considered what's called premature ovarian insufficiency um, because this is coming from how the ovaries function to help initiate the the response, the hormonal response that happens. It's a conversation between the brain and the ovaries. I mean, it's more than that, obviously. The uterus and other things are involved. Hormones are just chemical messengers, okay? They're just, we, insulin's a hormone, thyroid's a hormone. Hormones are growing all over our bodies talking to each other. So we're talking about sort of a smaller subset, but they do talk to each other. And I'm, I'm bringing that up because I'm, we're going to recall that when we talk later about metabolism okay. and why it has an impact. So that's, we're just getting the definitions. Perimenopause isn't defined. I think what was started happening in the last five to 15 years, depending on who you're talking to, is that people started noticing that they were having a lot of symptoms that were unexplained. Um, often dismissed, especially in women, achy joints, uh, libido issues, changes in body, uh, and in terms of like weight, metabolism, sleep issues, mood changes, so brain fog. And and I think a lot of people have started to realize, oh, this may be in part related to the hormonal shifts and changes that are very subtle and then become less subtle and then become really obvious. So. I think giving it a name and calling it perimenopause sort of gave empowered people and also helped them express their own agency around their body. The, the concern I have is that it starts, when you start to use the term a lot, then it's pathology. It's we're pathologizing a normal physiologic experience. So it's not to say that the normal physiologic experience, which is that your ovaries age out at some point, that's just, that's pre-programmed. That's going to happen. It's a blessing that you're still alive. Right. But it's, it's not to say it's fun or it's easy, but it's not, you're not, it's not a disease. So now we have a little bit of an issue, I think, in some quarters with this being used as a disease state that needs to be fixed. Right. As opposed to something that's uncomfortable, how do we support you? Yeah. I don't know. I really think the language is important. So I'm sure it is mind blowing for you to hear that this can take a lot. Look, there are people who report symptoms that I think could be consistent with perimenopause in their late thirties. And I'm not here to tell them it is or it isn't. I'm here. My job is to help you unwind it, figure it out. And what's the best path forward for you? That's my job. My job is to listen and to share my toolkit, which is deeper, wider, and a little more science-based, although not always, um, to get through it. That's my job. I'm not here to to judge it. And I, that's not the way I see my role. I think I have colleagues who maybe feel a little bit differently, but that's the way I see it. And so, so I don't know if that helps a little bit, but it is, it is mind blowing because especially for you as a man who's lived so intimately with, with people who menstruate, you really get, you get a ringside view and you're getting a, the ringside view of a variety of experiences. And it can really be, um, it has a really big impact and it's, um, you know, I'm sorry about your one kid that has that many problems. Like we should offline talk about that because it shouldn't be that bad. Like there's things we could do. I mean, that's, listen, that's another she, podcast. <laughs> this, but this kid is also the one who will like stub her toe and want oh, to take okay. the day off school. So, you know, yes, I, we have, I, I have one of those too. <laughs> I vacillate between like toughen up and yeah. between like, okay, look, she experiences these things with more volume than I do. Yeah. Or, or maybe her sisters do. Right. And right. so while I'm not letting her stay home from school, I am being a little bit more delicate with her when that right. happens. Well, that's the other thing I think that's really interesting, too, is that and I've just learned this as a doctor for 26 years, like people experience their bodies really differently from each other. And it's very we can empathize. And that's about it. Like, yeah. like, we don't know how anybody else feels a feeling, which is kind of mind blowing. Yeah. I mean, we're, I'm getting far afield. So that's perimenopause. So perimenopause, what's happening physiologically is that there's sort of a slow decline in the amount of estrogen that's being produced in the ovary. I am simplifying this, but not just that. The other thing that the ovary does is it really, it, it chooses an egg which in a follicle, and then it releases the egg, ovulation. And then progesterone gets made. The, the hormone progesterone gets made in that part of the uh, the ovary. And then when you don't get pregnant, it starts to decrease and you get your period. You shed the lining of your uterus. Well, 
I've, I've a, I'm sorry, I have a dumb dude question. No, no, ask. ask. So, and, and this is because, again, from the perspective of a guy, I know a bunch of guys and I know there is total ability now for men to, uh, you know, halt their changing hormones or, uh-huh. or or keep like whatever your hormones are at 19. You can have those till the day you die for guys. Yeah. Yeah. Is that a thing for girls? Yeah, you can use hormone menopausal hormone therapy. Absolutely. And I'm not saying people shouldn't. Okay. I mean, I'm, I, I'm just curious because I never, you, you don't see fucking, sorry, sorry for swearing. Oh, I swear all the time. I, okay. I, I didn't swear first. You don't see, you know, you <laughs> now <don't>, I can. <laughs> yes, anytime for sure. This is, okay. I, you know, the, you don't see, there's no television ads for chick hormones. Sorry. Oh gal my God, hormones. But there should be. Right. Well, Okay, that's so interesting to me because, you know, sometimes my perspective is so skewed because I like live in menopause land and I have to remind myself that people are so under and uneducated about menopause, even the people who are going through it or who are going to go through it, which is why I wrote this goddamn book, okay? So I'm so thrilled to share it with with an audience that maybe is like, what? And their eyes are rolling into the back of their head, you know, Um, like guys. You're right. We don't see ads for that. And I, I think we will. Um, I think there's also, you know, it's not like just like with men. I mean, male hormone replacement isn't for everybody. I mean, there are people who can do it, who can't do it. That's really not we're not going to get into that too much unless you really want to. No, no, no. It's um, just a, but I mean, absolutely. Menopause, but I'll tell you, it became controversial. There was a huge, huge study published in 2002 called the Women's Health Initiative. It was honestly a pro- very problematic at best study. Hundreds of thousands of women over a long period of time. The problem, and they looked at their use of hormones and the prevailing hormone therapy at the time, which is very different than what we most of us use now. <clears throat> and um, you know, mortality, medical issues that we're talking about, breast cancer, heart disease, stroke. The thing is that they didn't look at women in their in that transition 40s to 50s they looked at women average age 60 and above and many of them already had heart disease well mm-hmm. guess what happened a lot of people had heart attacks and strokes and also people got breast cancer and then it was like oh my god hormone replacement therapy is evil and it's like this the study doesn't even apply to a 49 year old who doesn't have heart disease you know it just it, it was not a good study some interesting things when they went back and looked at the data came out like for instance Women who only needed estrogen and not progesterone. So remember, I told you the ovaries make estrogen the first half of the cycle, progesterone the second half of the cycle. They both start to decline as we age. They both have impacts on how we feel, our experience, weight, mood, all these weird symptoms that start racking up as you get into your 30s and 40s. And you're like, I feel like I'm going crazy. Well, it's because you were used to this and this, and now you're at that and that, and you feel different. And by the way, measuring these hormones isn't going to tell you anything about your symptoms. Right. So could, could we get more obscure? And like, there's no, like, it makes you feel like, what do I do? How do I figure it out? Now we throw in this crazy study that makes you think you can't do it because it's going to kill you. Um, and, but then they looked at the study and they looked at women who did not need to take progesterone because they had a hysterectomy, they didn't have a uterus. We're not going to go into all that, but they were just on estrogen. These women had less breast cancer. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com So this just goes to show you how complex these hormones are, how complex they interact with each other, with various tissues. Estrogen receptors exist all over brain, breast, not just uterus, ovaries, and the obvious vagina, you know. And progesterone is only there? Progesterone, Progesterone receptors you can have in other places too, but specifically estrogen receptors are everywhere, which means we know that estrogen will have an influence in various parts of our body and in various different ways, blood vessels. And then there's what kind of estrogen? Is it this ver- this form or that form? I mean, it's so interesting and complicated and we're just barely touching the surface of what these, these changes can mean for us. And then how, this is my very long-winded way of answering that question, how to tailor the menopausal hormone therapy to the person. What is their issue? What can they tolerate? Um, what is going to work best for them? It's not a one size fits all thing. It's not a one size fits all thing for guys either, but it is a little bit less complicated. It's sort of like testosterone, <laughs> you know. And by the way, our testosterone, we have, you know, we make, we make more test. We don't make as much testosterone as you guys, but we make more testosterone actually in our youth than any other hormone. Really? Testosterone loss is a big issue for us too. And especially when you start getting into lean body uh, mass loss, which is one of the big issues for us with weight gain. Like we have to really work on our and really maintaining muscle mass or increasing it, um, which everybody does in order to maintain weight or lose weight. We also have the issue with bone loss. So, I mean, th- it's all like I could go, you know, I could go on and on and on. But yeah, no, it's fascinating to me that women on average live longer than men go through this crazy thing that is mostly about hormone changes. Yeah. And yet on TV or, you know, I go, I listen to a podcast, I hear of companies called Hims, which are, right. you know, for male libido and male uh, uh, hormones, right. basically. Right. And I've never once heard of a company being advertised publicly about that for women. And 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 I I know a lot of women because I live with them and I know they go through more hormonal stuff than any guy I know. So it's very curious to me. Well, I mean, is it though? <laughs> I mean, some of it is. So just so you know, Hims has a, a division. It is Hims and hers. Oh, I didn't see. I've never heard of hers. Well, they don't add, they don't advertise on ION. Right. You know what I mean? Or Annie or whatever the hell. I see that on all the time because we watch a lot of crime shows. So it's apparently we're like, you know, uh, Murder, She Wrote. We're that, like, that's who we are now. But um, it's true. You don't see it. And, you know, that's, you know, as a side story, I was involved with a women's sexual health startup. I was the chief medical officer. Um, I helped them get through their seed round. I ended up exiting. They, they're, they're still doing it. And the difficulty that the founder, the original founder and CEO had just getting meetings with uh, venture capital. I mean, I think it's pretty well known that it's very hard for female founders to get funding. But now it was a female founder about a female, you know, health, sexual health problem was like every third rail you could possibly imagine. And she eventually did really money. Oh, yeah, it was really rough. It was wild. They were like, is that a problem? It was like, who y'all fucking? I I mean, listen, there's a lot of there's a lot of married people and people in relationships. I would think every guy in every one of those relationships would be rooting for 
that company. It's going to change. It's starting to change. It'll change. It'll change. But it takes these conversations. We have to talk openly. It's funny to me. It's like, if you are a cis hetero human, I don't like, like, so you're going to fix your erectile dysfunction. And what do you, where are you putting that penis? Like, if you're (laughs) like, I mean, I like, hello, you know, it it just doesn't even make any freaking sense. So I just didn't know. I didn't know it existed. I thought it was like, no, we can't do it. They they don't work on girls. This is a, this is not a problem. This is not. I am so happy to educate you on this. It's wild. And, and, and since you're asking, I mean, if you talk about, I mean, sexual function, obviously in men and women is not an on off switch, but with women, you know, it's, well, I'll talk about women because that's my thing, right? <clears throat> it's, it's libido. And also, as you know, look, it's a long-term relationship maybe, or you don't have a partner. I mean, there's, there's libido is complex, but there's, there is a hormonal impact with specifically testosterone loss and libido. And we have a great position paper from North American Menopause Society discussing that. We know that testosterone in women, yes, in- testosterone replacement, it, it can be safely done with women. The FDA does not want to approve of this. Um, women's sexual health products have been brought to the FDA and had a very hard time being approved, including testosterone. So you need to use, you need to actually go to a specialty pharmacy. It's insane, right? Okay. So we know that this is efficacious and safe in supervised and very specific ways. So there's libido, but then there's also the vagina needs to work. So if you've ha- lost these hormones that I was talking about, and you now you have tissue changes. So you have less blood flow, you have less collagen, you have less, even you could feel aroused and not lubricate well, or the tissue is very delicate and thin and get, gets injured easily. So you can and should use products, whether it's over-the-counter personal moisturizers, they're not all created equally. Some are amazing, some are terrible. Um, there are vaginal hormones that you can use, and they're not systemically absorbed for the large, most part. They're just treating the tissue. There are energy-based devices like those that we've stolen or I shouldn't say adopted from cosmetics, um, lasers, oh, sorry about that, lasers and radio frequency devices that can help remodel that tissue. There are things you can do to restore your sex life and they should be available to you. You should know about them. And I think this is great because anybody who's listening to this may now realize, oh my God, there's something I can do. There's something I can talk about my partner with that I can help her understand that this doesn't have to just go away or be painful or like, Oh, I can fix my thing if I'm a guy, but if she's a woman, there's nothing she can do. That's not true. Right. This is is so fascinating. I cannot believe this is making my day. Uh, You know, I'm a guy who just ingests like pop culture stuff. This is not being pushed out there at all from what I'm observing. You know, and maybe it is. I do a lot of dude stuff. No, so maybe I they're... think you're right. I think you're right. I think I think it's just starting to get out there because listen, though. Think about it. How much do we really hear from women of a certain age or past a certain age? We really don't. We see we get we get very hot women who Jane Fonda. Helen Mirren. Oh my God, they're amazing. Who doesn't want to be them when they were 20, let alone when they're 80. But, and, and at least they are being celebrated to some extent, but it's all, it's still all about their beauty. Now those particular women have way more going for them and they're very opinionated and they are activists in many ways, but we get valued for the way we look. Uh, We are scary for the way we sound and we get silenced at a certain age. My, my, my feeling about that is, and you may or may not, now you're going to start paying attention. Now your phone's going to light up because we're having the conversation and you're going to get all sorts of shit on there that you never imagined, which is great. I can't yeah. wait to hear from you in a month, you know, what, what you're finding out. But, you know, you may have heard about this, like kind of no fucks to give fifties. It's like a joke, not a joke because you just kind of cease to care. I'm like, okay, I'll be over here. If you'd like to hear what I have to say, I have 50, 60 years of wisdom. I have a lot to share. <laughs> So it behooves you to listen to what I have to say. I mean, there's a reason why in many, in every indigenous culture, elders are regarded and respected and people listen to them. They've been on the planet longer. They know some things. They've been humbled. They know what they don't know. They know what they do know. They're empathic on and on and on. There's a thing called the grandmother effect. You know, in species that have grandmothers, 
there is better survival. I'm really like boiling it down. Grandmothers are helpful, you know? So it, but I also am like, I'm not invested in what I think you think of me anymore. I really don't care. You think I'm pretty. You don't think I'm pretty. I'm giving shit. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm yeah. over here. Yeah. Cool. Good luck to you. That's how I feel. Right. So, but I mean, there has been a visibility issue. So what I'm saying is I reject the invisibility narrative. I have a lot of people who come to me who either come as patients or come to my menopause boot camps who feel bereft. They feel they are grieving. They feel like nothing. They feel rejected. They feel invisible in a bad way. I have a different personality. I, I have so much compassion for that. And I really want to help reverse that. I mean, that's why I talk about these things. And it's so thrilling to me to talk to somebody from outside of that community, because it's important for us to understand each other and, and hear each other and celebrate those stories and then uh, work together because you have something to offer me. I have something to offer you. I mean, it's just like what humans are supposed to be doing as opposed to this whole silencing each other thing. Yeah. Well, to, to be and to feel silenced because you are a specific age, that's just a tragedy for everybody. Yeah. Okay. Now back to diets. I, yeah, last, I know we got all over the place. We did, but it was, it was <laughs> utterly fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Because I, you know, I, 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 ha I have been torn a little bit going like, it's going to be great when we don't have to deal with this period thing anymore. So I'm like in my, I wouldn't say that to my wife because I don't want her to think like, I, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know how, honestly, we've never really talked about that. Um, I, I recommend you ask her. Well, yeah, but I, so I'm thinking like once this period thing is over, it's going to be great. But then now you're telling me like, there's no more estrogen, there's no more progesterone. And like, and I'm, and I'm suddenly like scared and 12, it could be 12 years before we even get there. And we, we, like the whole thing is terrifying. <laughs> you can, no, no, please don't. But there's things you can do. Remember I did say there's, there are solutions. Yes. There's a wide variety. And I think the issue becomes making sure that you're educated and you're partnering with, with, uh, doctors and providers who are knowledgeable because not all are having said that. Um, yeah, let's dive into. To okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> so the last, the last thing I read, which, which talked about age and metabolism, but I believe it was a study entirely on men was talking about how there's no real reduction in metabolism. What happens right. is you, you have an atrophy of lean muscle mass, which right. then just lowers your metabolism. Right. But, but the metabolism itself, if countered with holding on to lean tissue, will basically be function the same way. Is that also true for women? Well, I mean, actually, I think that really big study came out sometime in, la in the last year, right? And I yeah. think it, I was like, what? Um, and I actually, I think women were included in that study. Okay. And I will say that I feel like it's not the whole story. I mean, I, I, like I said, like I have my sample size of one, it's really a larger sample size than that because it's all the women I work with. And it's like, a lot of us are out there working really hard on resistance training, weightlifting, keeping our lean ma uh, body mass up. Um, and I think that I don't think that's telling the whole story. I think as I as I sort of alluded to, there's a couple of things that happen because of our 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 specific hormone losses. It's harder to build. And that's true for men and women. Right. Because we're all losing testosterone. <clears throat> Estrogen's impact, I think, is being excluded there. And then the other thing that changes when you're decreasing the estrogen um, at the same time as the testosterone is you have a change in body shape. So, you know, you, I'm sure we get this middle that we did not have. We get more of like a male body type and that, so maybe you even weigh the same, but your body shape changes. So, and then of course, visceral fat is going to increase insulin resistance and inflammation that is with men and women. So, I mean, who am I to dispute this study? But I also, I have questions about that study specifically because a lot of us in the field were like, what, you know, and, and I didn't do a deep dive and I can't tell you, but I don't know that they looked at like what age you, you're going through menopause. Are you on hormone replacement therapy or not? Because I, I think that there are going to be differences probably in the results that you encounter there. Right. Yeah. And, and, and the very few women I have talked to who are older gals have all said it, everything has become harder. 
yeah. losing weight, going to the yeah. gym, it's all harder. So well, the, that other thing, the other thing that I want to say, and, and we, a lot of women, sleep disruption, as you know, is a huge, huge issue for weight loss, right? Because yeah. if you are not sleeping well, your cortisol is up. So you're going to hang, right? Your body thinks you're in fight or flight, like, oh, better hang on to that fat. May need it later. It's like, well, no, that's actually not true. I just really want to sleep. So if you have a, and yes, all humans have sleep disruption as they age, but women have a very special thing, which for a lot of us is hot flashes and night sweats, which keep us up and not just keep us up. But every time you're having that, it's like a little mini fight or flight response. So you can't tell me that that doesn't affect people's capacity to burn and to maintain that lean body mass. It just doesn't even make sense physiologic to me. I'm not, a, I'm not a research scientist. Maybe somebody out there can pull some studies and show them to me, or they can do them because it has a huge impact. It has a huge impact. One of the things that I have heard, so this is anecdotal. I have a really good friend who is board certified in nutritional medicine. So she's an MD and she's also, she's double board certified. There are maybe 200 doctors in the U S who are board certified in both. She's an expert in weight management. And she has always said to me, Suzanne, with my patients, once they are done, once they're postmenopausal and they're not having the fluctuations, they actually do a lot better. Really? Because, yeah, because part of the problem here is you're constantly chasing your tail. And it isn't every 28 days with a nice smooth curve. I don't know if you remember, you know, middle school health class, <laughs> that thing. Yeah. Um, it's this, it's crazy town. You're constantly chasing your tail. And yeah, I mean, listen, so I know. Harder. I, I haven't gotten as detailed with any of my kids on this, but I know for my wife, because we've dieted together and, and, mm -hmm. and she's uh, in the last, you know, six or seven years, she's gone to do some of these and she doesn't really need to, but she likes to do like these real crash diets. Yeah. And I, and I have had to really go like, please, you can't, this is, this is the cycle. You're going to do this. You're going to do this again every year. Let's stop doing that, which she has. And so she's not really doing that anymore, but I will say, um, there, there will come a point where no matter how strict she is on a diet, her period will, she'll gain weight. Yeah, and and totally. so that's something, I, I don't know what that means. I, well, I, I mean, some, of it, some of it is probably just water retention, but I think yeah. that your metabolic rate changes during different parts of your cycle and we know that like energy expenditure but also that like fatigue will peak the second half of the cycle and a lot of us will counsel our patients like go easy the second half of the cycle because the other thing here and this is the thing that is really important as we're aging too with your workouts like if you're going hard all the time you're gonna get injured you need active recovery and you're again gonna re release cortisol you're not gonna lose weight you're yeah. going to hang on to the weight. Your body is like, whoa, we got, you know, this is not good. So some of those, so these things change for men and women, but for women in particular, we just seem to be more sensitive. I mean, I think, you know, if I were to give tips, it's portion size. Portion size is really a big deal. I will say that I think, I think the science is on the side of a, sort of a modified intermittent fasting. And I, like, I feel like, like using any terminology becomes problematic. Listen. The data on actual fasting is really interesting for longevity. That's all I'm talking about. I'm talking about like these narrow windows. I mean, obviously, if you narrow your window of eating to four hours, you're not just not eating as much, you know? So that's obviously what some of it, and I think the data has started to show that, that some of this is just calorie reduction. Right. But I think for insulin resistance, there's probably something to be said for maybe an eight hour window. I will also say if you are forcing yourself really hard and you're starving, that's just not a good thing. Yeah. If you're in a transition and you are like, you're like, whoa, do I really need to eat that plate? Maybe I really could eat that plate. Like that's going to take you a little minute to get used to. That's not the same thing. If you're just like starving, no, that's not what you're supposed to do. That's not good for you. So those are some things, protein, 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 protein. Something I might, I've talked to my boyfriend about this. He's more expert because he can size somebody up and he's like, you know, depending on the person's size and exercise, half a gram to one and a half grams, right? Of protein, of lean per lean body mass. So you can quick and dirty it. Um, food combining is super interesting to me right now. And even there's some data showing the order in which you eat. So your greens, your fibrous, then your protein, then your carb. Really? I think these, yeah. Again, not an expert. I'm starting to, I'm starting to look into, this is, can I tell you, this is, 
what's always motivated me is a combination of what my patients are bringing to me and what I'm going through. Yeah. So 56, my cholesterol shot up 75 points during COVID. Now, was it the stress? Is it that I'm closer to menopause? I don't know. I was like, but nothing really changed dramatically in your diet. I wasn't eating so great, but I was drinking a lot. But I mean, but I mean, that's a huge jump. And I was like, what the fuck, you know? And also, I had gestational diabetes. So I want to say to your to your folks who have been pregnant, if you had gestational diabetes while you were pregnant, if you had any kind of blood pressure issue while you were pregnant, those risk factors are much bigger for you specifically as you get toward menopause. It's so important. People come to me every day. Well, my grandma had this and my dad had that, but their diet is bad. They're obese, da, 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 da. they're smokers. And I'm like, hold on. Those might be true, but that's actually your family history. So I know I'm all over the place, but I really, people don't always understand what their own risk factors are. So I knew what my risk factors were. I had gestational diabetes. I have high cholesterol in the family. And, but I was shocked by those numbers. So I've really been doing a deep dive on myself. I'm doing the trend. I'm wearing the, but I mean, it's for a reason because I was like getting close to pre-diabetes. I, well, I want to, I want to just say that, um, my last kid was born 16 years ago. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't remember ever doing anything at home to check for gestational diabetes. I, I, I don't really she remember. She would, she would have done it with her OB. Yeah, okay, but but the my kid who just had a baby, there were all kinds of monitoring at home that she was doing. So she was she didn't have gestational diabetes, and it might have just been because COVID they wanted stuff less uh, doctors' visits. But she was like keeping track of her blood sugar at home for a few days, and then she didn't have it. But but anyway, but it also might have been. So here's the thing. If she did the first screening test, we actually give people 100 grams of glucola yeah. on an empty stomach and then check their, we do a fat, well, we check their blood an hour later, right? If she had an elevated number or close to elevated, um, maybe that was their quick and dirty on it. I don't know. That's interesting. Well, no, I, but my question just, more is I didn't, I had no idea that that, I thought it was something that only occurred during pregnancy. But you're saying that can come back and be another issue. Wow. The best stress test, I mean, depending on how you look at it, ever. That person has a 50% greater risk of developing diabetes later in life. And you can, mm. you can change that risk because you know it. So you can change the way you live your life from that time on. And you can be more aware. I learned so, can I tell you where I learned the most about nutrition in my entire medical education? My own gestational diabetes as a resident. Right. That, because I had a, I was like, oh, wait, higher fat, lower carb, had no idea. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Pregnancy is intense and it stresses your body. I mean, I hate to term it this way, but I mean, if you fail by having preeclampsia or even gestational hypertension, which is sort of a milder form, or you have gestational diabetes, you just got, you just got told your risk is higher and you need to, you need to take it seriously, not to be scary. This is a huge opportunity. Right. I mean, it's, it's so much to think about. It's wild. So if so, we listen to more bodies, they'll tell us stuff. Yeah, no, totally. I, 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 you know, I'm not, I'm not a one size fits all human beings. Cause I do think right. like different people live their lives very differently from me. However, I think as Americans, we probably on average, overconsume anything more than we need to possibly. And so that cutting back on that would probably benefit uh, many people. And then exercise to me is just, I, I enjoy it. And everybody I know who exercise seems to be happier after the exercise. Yeah. So like, if yeah. I, if anybody asked me, what's the one thing you would suggest? I go like, you know, that's what I think. It's very hard for a lot of people to, figure out making that a part of their life. Oh yeah. Or maybe even making the time, yeah. you know, and I think, but I think the other thing that I see too, is that as we get older, we really have to incorporate resistance and weights. We have to. And so if you've never done that before, I just, I don't think you, it's hard to do that on your own. 
not everybody's going to have the resources to have a personal trainer. I mean, come on, but you know, online can be a great benefit to people. I think people have to be careful about injury, but cardio is great for car. Cardio is great for your heart. Yeah. It's not weight loss. Right. And it, you know, when you're 20, you can do anything and lose weight. Basically when you're 50, it's, it's cardio. Got to do it. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. But it's not, you're not going to lose weight from cardio. I mean, unless you're like 100% sedentary. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I think for women too, that there's um, a lack of uh, uh, emphasis put on resistance training because there's some like uh, idea, like when you look at uh, female bodybuilders, it's like, well, we're going to turn into that. And I don't want to turn into that. And it's like, you know what that lady has been doing for years right, and years right, and years. Right. And like lifting weights doesn't mean that you have to have a giant muscular chest. You know what I mean? Like th this no. is not the case. No. No. And it's, it's really, I mean, it's just so, it's so important. And I think you're right. I mean, just the, the psychological benefit you get, the confidence you get, you don't have to be Olympic lifting. Right. You can, you can be wearing three pound ankle weights on your walk. I mean, like it's, it doesn't have to be complicated, but we're afraid of changing. And, and again, like, look, everybody doesn't have the time to invest in this. But we have to we have to try to make it easier because it's it's literally saving your life. Yeah. Okay. So for um, <laughs> gals in you know I I think about this perimenopausal thing like as you said postmenopausal everything evens out and and you can get into some routine and and yeah. figure out stuff that works. Yeah. What is your recommendation for that potential twelve year cycle that? Um, that you have your body throwing curveballs at you randomly. It's very humbling. Be patient, be gentle, um, and find a partner in your healthcare who understands it, who can help you navigate it because it is going to be changing. It's not impossible. The one thing I will say about, about people is they are a lot more resilient than you might imagine. You've been through a lot. You've yeah. been through a huge changes in your life. Sure. You had support. You had mental fortitude. You did things that, you know, created confidence. Everything wasn't like a straight line for your weight loss. So, you know, I think if, if, and I think having that community and that support around you makes a big difference. Not feeling so alone, saying the word out loud, being able to have a menopause boot camp community. You have a tribe that you find and you're like, you realize it's not just you. Um, and just being nice to yourself because everything isn't, there's nothing in life that's going to be a straight line of straight path to success. Like the, the path winds all over the place. I think the other thing for, for a lot of us is if we've lived through the menstrual life, like we, we know, we know how to navigate change. We, and we may know how to navigate the curveballs a lot better than we might imagine. So I think just remembering that, we we can do stuff that isn't easy. Like, yeah. you know, nobody said it's all going to be easy. Doing it alone is really hard. That That is not okay. So doing it in silence without information or resources or support is impossible. Like nobody should be expected to do anything 
in a vacuum like that. You're never going to be successful and you're never going to be able to celebrate your successes if you're doing it alone too. So I think us having the conversation and putting the information out there first and foremost, just normalizes that there's somebody listening to this who's going to be like you, like, oh my God, I had no idea. Yeah. And oh my God, I had no idea that these are things that I could do. Right. And, and, and I'm super interested in like how to, how to better assist my wife when this does come up, because like, Honestly, my life is much better when her life is much better. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So like, right. I, I want her to be doing as well as, as possible. Um, and, and it's all very interesting to me. I hope we get one of those gal, hers uh, company, it becomes bigger. You know, I don't see why it shouldn't be. It will because, because people are demanding better. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it's, I, it really, ta- things don't, things don't change from the top down. You know that. Right. That's not how that works. They like to to tell us that, but that's really not how it works. I mean, when we make demands and we put our money where our mouth is, things change. That's it. That's just the way it is. That's how life is. And that's okay because it gives us an opportunity to use our voices or to find people who feel comfortable like you using your voice. It's super important. What you're doing is so important to educate people. Yeah. And I like, I mean, I hope it's not only important to me because I have only daughters and a granddaughter, you know what I mean? Like, I hope it's important to me because I have a wife, you know, and because I'm a human being because Because you're a human being because half the planet, actually a little bit more than half the planet is populated by people who are affected by this. I mean, we're all affected by this. And I think the other thing to remember here is like, it doesn't have to be a disaster. Like it's just a change. Yeah. (laughs) That's it. Yeah, no, it's a change. And we're all changing. We're constantly changing. As you said, uh, mm-hmm. every day is a step towards this. Like, you know, yeah. uh, the cycle of life is happening. It's a cycle. Exactly. 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 Yeah. yeah. Um, amazing. Well, thank you so much. This has been an amazing conversation. I can't wait to get your book. Oh, um, thank you. Yeah. Pause boot camp, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Out in October. Very exciting. Yeah. I'm my wife is gonna love it. Thank oh. you. Okay, see you All later. Right, take it easy. Have Thank a great you. one. Thanks you for your too. time. Bye. And now for the QA. Today's question comes from Mark. Hi, Mark. Mark says, I've been listening to the podcast since the beginning and have always found the content you provide meaningful and inspiring, especially your journey. Thanks, Mark. He says, a little bit of history. I'm a 53-year-old school teacher and father of three. I'm. Uh, he says, a little over three years ago, I was pushing 215 pounds. My childhood friend, very similar to me, called me out of the blue to let me know he had had a heart attack and had multiple stints put in. I vowed at that moment that wasn't going to be me, so I started my own self-guided wellness journey. He says, my plan has been quite simple, calories in versus calories out. Using that mindset and religiously tracking my food intake with an app, I've been making much better choices about what I'm eating and being more active. I try to burn more calories by walking. I put on a good podcast and walk. As a teacher with summers off, I walk about 200 to 300 miles over the summer. I've logged wow. my food intake. That's a lot. Yeah. I've logged my food intake for over 1,100 straight days, and I am down to 157. That's so awesome. cool. So awesome. Okay, he says, now to my question. I'm super happy with my weight, but my percent of body fat seems to be stuck around 20 to 21%. I track my weight and body fat with my Fitbit scale only, even though it's probably not the most accurate. I'm not really looking for accuracy as I'm looking at which way the needle moves. How do I make some gains in dropping body fat? I would appreciate any insight you can provide. Okay. I mean, he's, he's, he sounds pretty lean. Did he, did he say what weight he started at? Yes. 215. So he went 215 to 157. 215 to 157. Um, my, my suggestion, Mark is resistance training. And I, I I don't know how much more weight you want to lose, but I will say that uh, kind of like the key to like, I've, I had done, I've done diets before where 40% of what I was losing was lean tissue, which is muscle. And so what happens is 
I'm getting smaller and smaller, but I'm still, you know, I could lose 10 pounds and still be the exact same body fat percentage um, or, or very slightly less. And so my suggestion would be to do some resistance training so that while you're losing weight, you're retaining your your muscle because it sounds like you're retaining the muscles in your legs by walking so much, but there's a lot of other muscles that you could affect. And I don't know if, if, um, I don't know, you know, I don't know how much muscle your legs actually need for walking. So I would think about doing some actual resistance training, uh, leg specific too, because those are pretty big muscles. And Hopefully, as you then lose fat, you will not lose lean tissue, especially if you're not doing a, a very extreme caloric deficit. If your deficit's so extreme, it's going to be impossible to preserve all your lean tissue. But if your deficit is kind of mild, if you're taking it slowly, if you're doing resistance training and getting enough protein, like those are all the key factors in uh, maintaining muscle mass. <laughs> Excuse me. Edit that, Chad. Sorry, I almost choked on a minute. <clears throat> Sorry. Okay, and we're back. Um, <laughs> those are the key factors in maintaining muscle mass, and that way, as you're losing weight, you won't also be wasting lean tissue, and therefore, your body fat percentage will go down much more rapidly. Nice. That makes sense. Okay, yeah. great. Let's uh, hear how it goes. Let us know. And if you have a question you would like answered on this podcast, please email it to us at AmericanGlutton.net. Thanks for listening to this episode of American Glutton. I'm Ethan Suplee. You can follow us on Instagram at American Glutton Podcast. Sincerely. <laughs>